Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey, it's Matt. This is Beyond Politics. You know, a ways back, an old friend of mine named Mike Morton started roping me in to helping him out to do a show that he was doing about financial planning. He's a financial planner. That's his thing. And after a while, we began to realize, you know, this is kind of fun. It's not really about financial planning. Remember that show Car Talk on NPR? And how it was kind of about cars, but it was really about all the other stuff. Well, that's kind of what this show turned into. It's sort of about financial advice and financial planning, but it's really about a lot more. It's about kind of how you manage all the stuff going on in your life and all the problems that we run into day to day and how to maybe make your way through them just a, a little bit more easily with a little bit less stress. So he started calling his show Financial Life Planning, and we've decided to start bringing it to you in the Beyond Politics podcast feed. We're going to try and aim to bring it to you every Sunday as just a little change of pace. It's a little something that's outside the normal political realm and kind of hits a lot of the spots that we find ourselves in in our lives day to day and week to week with a lot of financial information thrown in, but like I said, a lot more. So I hope you enjoy it. And here's the first episode we're going to put in the feed and let us know what you think. Welcome to Financial Life Planning, the show where we explain finance and life. And we hack our way through all of it with our financial life planning expert, Mike Morton, and your host, me, Matt Robeson. I'm here to ask the dumb questions and be dumb about stuff. Mike is here to be smart. Mike, how you doing? Good man, I I still don't get why you're the host of a podcast that's that's my podcast. I don't understand this. Why does this happen this way? All right, there's a long history in media, comedy, TV, shows, entertainment of it's very hard to do a monologue. That's why monologues are like very rare. <laughs> that's if right. you do a soliloquy in Shakespeare, it's like this is a big deal. Like the spotlight's on you. People like conversations. I'm here to add conversation to what would otherwise be you doing a monologue. Yeah, but why be the host of my podcast? I don't, I don't understand. Not to be too meta, not to be too meta about this, but the host usually MCs, right? And so if you're the host of your own podcast, then you invite me on. It's I'm your host, Mike Morton. Oh. Here's Matt Robeson. He's some guy who's just here to ask me questions. Go ahead, Matt. Ask me questions. You see how weird this just got? Look, well, let's go offline with all this. We will workshop how to remake a wheel that was invented thousands of years ago about how to have conversations in front of other people. In the meantime, all right, let's have a conversation. Yeah, let's have a conversation. Matt, what, are, what are we talking about today? Okay, so you know how the show Car Talk is about cars, but it's really mostly not about cars. That's what I want to do today. I want to talk about cars, but this isn't really about cars. The entry question, the entry point here is, Mike, should I finance my car? But I have a feeling that there's a lot more underneath this. And I'm going to unearth it. I'm going to drag it out of you. So here we go. Yeah. Instead of a yes or no answer, how about I give you a, it depends. Yeah. See, there you go. <laughs> I knew this would get more complicated. So why don't you start with yes or no? How about yes? Yes. Finance okay. your car. Yes. Okay, yes. Okay. You should not finance your car. All uh, right. So there's the answer. Wait, explain what we mean by finance your car. I'm, can I admit something? I have purchased one new car in my life 
seriously. And this was like 11 years ago. I've still got it. I have zero interest in cars. What? I mean, I'm like, I'm interested in them. I'm very <laughs> grateful to get own one, but finance your car. Right. So was that a hey, quick question? Was that a brand new car you got 11 years ago? Still working well for you? Yeah, oh. this show is brought to you by Toyota. Um, <laughs> by the way, I don't feel... The Toyota van. You got the van. No, the not the van. No, that was used. That was used. No, I, look, I don't want to feel I don't want to feel like I'm unpatriotic about this, especially with old glory hanging behind me in the video. But uh, Toyota, higher percentage of parts made here in the U.S. than any other automaker. Yeah, I've got a, I got a Toyota Prius, and it is running smoothly like a charm. Yeah, it's fantastic. Awesome. You know what you got to avoid with these things is my mother-in-law had her Prius infested by mice, like internally, <sighs> and it ruined the car. It's like the mice got in, mouse one, Toyota zero. All right, should I, so what is financing your car? What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. First of all, oh man, I love all these tangents. I could talk about mice in our cars too, because we live out in the woods with mice, but I'm not going to go down that road. Let's go to the I don't financing. Your house. <laughs> with a house or anything else. Um, finance, oh, so financing a car. So when you go and buy a large purchase, like a car, tens right. of thousands of dollars, you might not have that sitting around in your bank account to just write a check or bring in a suitcase of cash. I love how you always say like, I'm gonna pay cash for that. Is that like really a suitcase? Like, is that what you bring along? No, no, you need, <laughs> right. what you need is a bag with a dollar side on it, like literal money bags. <laughs> right, put it right there on the desk. So often we would finance, borrow money. That's what uh, it means, borrowing money to buy the car. So whether it's a new car or a used car, the question today, you know, that came up with a friend of mine was, should I borrow money? You know, should I get a loan and borrow money to buy this car? Or should I pay cash? You know, if you have that as an option, if you're able to sell some investments, emergency funds or whatever it is. So should you, when we say finance a car, we mean, should you borrow some money? Now, if you're buying, and there's a couple of nuances here too. If you're buying a new car, we could be talking about leasing or buying. So I'm not talking about leasing. So this is, you're gonna own a car, whether it's a brand new car or a used car, but should you borrow some money, finance it, borrow some money to do that and get a car loan? Or should you try to pay using your own money? I knew it. I knew this would get deeper than it appeared on the surface because it sounds like what we're really talking about here is if you're facing a large purchase generically, houses or something else, but like cars are the, the number one culprit here. Yep. But if you're facing a large purchase, when does it make sense to borrow and when does it make sense to use available cash if that's there you an go. option? Yeah, okay, I got Yeah, it. there you go. And so let's talk about in the car. And so car loans, and this changes over time, all right? So if we were talking a year ago, whether it's housing or cars or other stuff, right? right Inflation right. numbers, interest payments all change. So we're talking today, this is early 2023 with the current interest rate and car loan rates. So current car loan rates are about six to 7% interest. Okay, so whether you get like a three-year, four-year, five-year loan, they tend to be that length in time. You'll pay interest, you'll pay the principal and interest, but the interest is what we call amortized, spread equal payments for those four years, say. And it'll be about six or 7% borrowing rate, all right? Important to know because here's, here's my conclusion, my recommendation that you consider, this is not financial advice, bullet points and thoughts, is if you're gonna borrow at six or 7%, I would try to pay cash as much as possible and not borrow at that rate. I see, I see. Well, the reason why is you're paying quite a bit in interest and you're not really, it's gonna be hard to make that up. Just, 
Right now you can get in your cash, and we talked about this and I'll continue to hammer it, but you, you should be getting above 4% interest rates on most of your cash. Maybe not your everyday checking or saving in your, in your bank account. Banks, interest rates are lower than that. But say your emergency funds, your portfolio that's in stocks and bonds, the cash portion of that, you should be at over 4%. That's where the rates are right now on very safe treasury bonds. So anyway, you get 4%. So now you're paying 6% you know, to borrow money. So instead of paying 6 or 7% to borrow money and only making 4% on that cash, I would go ahead and spend that, you know, and then build up, build it back up in your portfolio. Does it make a difference if you're being offered, I'm going to sound like Dr. Evil saying lasers here, if you're being offered financing from the car dealer versus going out and getting a loan from a bank? Yeah. So here's the deal. No, it won't make any difference, right? But sometimes the car dealers can give you better rates. So you're at a car dealer and you're saying, okay, I'm going to buy this, this new car for $40,000, get your trade in, you know, and, and so it's 35 grand or whatever you're going to be spending. And they say, hey, we work with this bank. We can get you a 4.2% loan. I see. Then I would think, oh, that's not too bad. Like 4%, I would consider that. Okay. So 4 or 5%, if that's what you're hearing at the car dealership, if they're able to get you something like that, I would consider it. Once you get to 6 7%, as I said, eh, I become a little bit less interested because you're paying quite a bit. And that's hard to make up. Now you can argue, well, geez, I'd have the cash. I can invest it in the stock market, right? If I had that 30,000, I could have it invested in the stock market and I'll pay off the car loan um, just over time from my income, right? So that's, a, that's not a bad option, but the stock market can make eight to 10%. So now we're comparing eight to 10% versus six to 7% loan. So it's kind of better to get the eight and 10% and pay the loan. But it's not guaranteed. Stock market returns are, <laughs> are, are nowhere near guaranteed. So you're still paying quite a bit of interest, 6 7%. The other thing I'll mention, Matt, is that you can also potentially use your home equity line of credit, which are hovering around that same 6 or 7%. So if you need to swing some money for, say, a few months, rather than getting locked in to a financing for a car loan, which is four years, five years at 6 or 7%, you could potentially use your home equity line of credit. Spend, you know, difference, maybe you need 10 or 20,000, you know, to make up that difference, like you don't have sitting around in the bank, but you can quickly pay that off over three months from your income or this year, you know, one year from your income, pay that back down. So it's an easy way of borrowing and paying it down more quickly than taking out a six, 7% loan over four or five years. I was wondering if we were going to get back to HELOCs, which as I understand it, are the thing that you fly around in if you're going to assault a compound and you need to fast rope down quickly. <laughs> so a HELOC, home equity line of credit, just remind me here, we did a whole show about this. People can go check that out. It's in the feed of financial life planning. But are you talking about a situation, if I have a home equity line of credit, if am I locked in? Let's say I had one and I got it like a year ago when interest rates yep. were way lower. Does that mean that I still have the opportunity to borrow at that nice low rate now, or am I still borrowing money at a, at a really high rate? Wait, are you saying after all our shows together, Matt, you still haven't gotten your home equity line of credit? I'm trying to, I'm still trying to figure out the difference between a banking and a checking account. <laughs> like there's savings, so there's that, something yeah, called a savings. CD, which I'm pretty sure I got rid of oh, that for boy. Spotify, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. who uses CDs anymore? I don't know. Um, holy smokes. All right, Matt, 
Honestly, man, you need to go back and listen to the feed, please. Okay, let me just, I recorded it on my VCR. Let me just, you know, I'll I'll get that. All right. Yeah, no. So I wish that was true. So great. I can lock, you know, that home equity line of credit from a year ago, but unfortunately it's not true. Those are, those are floating rates. So me, Matt, every uh, month I've been getting an envelope from my bank. I open it up. Oh, your new interest rate on your HELOC is now at five and a half percent. Now it's 6%. Now it's six and a quarter percent. It just keeps going up every month. Now, usually with HELOCs, you have a 10-year borrowing window. That's why I recommend you can open it up, but you don't have to borrow. And you typically get 10 years where you can write checks, you know, and then you can pay it back and then you can write another check. So you can have kind of a, you know, you can take out 10,000 for some home renovation, pay that down. You can take out another 15,000, pay that down. After 10 years, they typically take whatever whatever you've got that balance and amortize it, which just means you're making equal payments, you know, for another 20 years. Now, this is unlike your mortgage, and this is why mortgages are awesome. And for everyone listening that has a mortgage that started one to three years ago, pat yourself on the back, turn around, try to pat yourself on the back because you have a nice low interest rate. Okay, so that's locked in, and that's awesome. I see. Okay, so it's not like When you suggest this HELOC maneuver, which as I understand it is an MMA hold that might get your opponent to tap out, if you're going to put someone in a HELOC, you... Put them in a HELOC. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, a HELOC HELOC. is really painful. If you're in a HELOC, like, you're pretty pretty effed there. I'm about to tap out of this episode. Where's your question, man? (laughs) What? It's not... When you suggested a moment ago that you try the HELOC maneuver... This is not, you're still locked into the same basic problem here of you're borrowing a lot of money. You're borrowing money at a high interest rate. So that's why, essentially, back to your core point, it's worth, if you've got the cash, it's worth it. It's worth considering. Yeah, it's certainly worth considering. So a lot of listeners might have some emergency funds built up. Hey, in case of emergency, and I'm not saying a new, a new car or having to get a different car is an emergency for sure, but you could use 10 or 20,000, you know, and then pay yourself back. All right. So that's definitely an option to consider. The reason I mentioned the HELOC is because I love car loans if you can get them where there's no prepayment penalty. All right. So in other words, you walk in, I got this five years ago with my last car and it was, Hey, if you finance with us, we can get you like a a 1.5% rate. And I'm like, great. Can I pay it off anytime? Sure. You just have to keep it for three months. Okay, Mm. great. I have to make three months payments and then I can pay it off anytime I want. And that gives me the flexibility to decide when I want to pay that thing off. So if you can get that fantastic, go for it. You know, you can delay by three months. You can make a better decision, right? That's not a big deal. What I don't like is for you to sign paperwork that's 7% interest rate and four years and you can't get out of it. That's the beauty of the HELOC is you can pay it back down as fast as you want to. So if you don't have that 10 or 20,000 extra, you know, make the difference, you can go ahead and use the HELOC and then pay it down over six months or 12 months, you know, and you can get out of it as soon as you want to. It's not up to the bank. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. All right, since you invoked the L word before, not the fun one, but the other one, leasing, I just want to go there for a second because this is one of those things that adults know about. You can lease a car. I know people who have leased cars, and I think I missed that day in school where they explained that you can lease a car. I seriously, and maybe I should be embarrassed about this, I had no, I was like into my 40s before I really began to have an inkling of what the hell 
leasing a car is. So you can just skip over the ABCs of that for our listeners who are like thinking to themselves, oh, duh, Matt G. <laughs> but what about that trade-off of you need a car, you need something new, you could take out a loan, you could try and scrape together available cash, or you could lease. What about the lease option? Is that more attractive? Yeah, you know, to be honest, Matt, I'm kind of like you. I didn't know leasing, you know, was a thing. And I always thought it was like for super rich, like always have a brand new car and, and just lease. I'm feeling so much better now. Really? <laughs> yeah. You? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Or you could be like, I was thinking what you're saying that be like, Matt, you can host your own podcast or you can host someone else's podcast and uh, you don't need to know anything. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is seriously like the episode of Saturday Night Live of Lothar of the Hill People, where the two <laughs> tribal leaders get together. They're like, I did not know that you as well felt this way about the parents of walking with women and i'm like i'm just delighted to hear it no matt i'm a financial advisor i don't know what the hell leasing is either this is great <laughs> you just made my day i know what it is matt well shut up i like what you were saying a minute ago better <laughs> yeah, better yeah, we'll go back that. to that go back to that no you're not dumb here's a here's an interesting thing on that so leasing it, you know you just have car payments and then at the end you can decide whether you want to make one single payment and own the car or just turn it back in Here's something interesting. This is, everybody's got money scripts and money habits and how you grow up with money. Right. And for me, I've always been a own it guy. Like buy the car, own the car. Uh, I've never been, I've never had car payments, you know? And so I'm like the idea of car payments, it, you know, it's like, why would I want a monthly payment? Because I've never had one. I've never grown up in an environment where that was the thing. Um, and so that's kind of my money script is I do like to own things. Um, I like to, you know, I bring, it brings me a lot of joy to have ownership of something that I, I can do whatever I want with that. But I'll just be honest, like that's, you know, we can run numbers and talk all about that stuff. Leasing generally isn't the best option, but it certainly has lots of values because you always have a newer car. You know, you're paying for it, but you have the benefit of always having a nicer, newer car that's being maintained for you. It's not going to break down as much. You don't have to hassle with all those things. Mm. But there it gives you a little insight. Like we all have those kind of money scripts, how we approach these these questions based on, you know, just really growing up in environments. It feels like a marketing thing because as you say that, it makes me realize when you say lease a car, it's the same meaning as you rent an apartment. You don't own it. You're renting it. You are paying yep. for the privilege of the use of this thing. I see what you mean. It's weird because I grew up in a rented apartment and so paying the rent was like, yeah, that that's the way life is done. Yep. But it's true that as an adult, I came around to, I don't like being in hock to someone. When I have the chance, I want to buy. It's like the whole solar panel model. Like every company is trying to sell you on, oh, it's like, oh, there's no money up front. It's great. It lowers your bills. It's like, hold on. Let me see through this for a second. What you're really talking about is, you are renting these. And in fact, that's not even really what's happening. They're renting the use of your roof. <laughs> your, your roof, and yeah. <laughs> they're not even really paying you directly. It's a very, mm. it's a very weird thing. I, I'm not disparaging the solar panel model. I'm not disparaging the leasing model. I'm just validating that there's a, there's an emotional component to this. And like you, it just, it would feel strange to have my car. And it's like, I don't, own this i'm renting it i'm renting the rights to drive this car from toyota it, yeah. very strange yeah 
Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's good. Again, there's no right or wrong, you know, and recognizing that there's value on all sides, right? Renting, you know, it's a great analogy because renting an apartment, there's so much value in that. Right. The flexibility, you don't have to maintain it. You don't have to breaks. You call somebody. I mean, there's tons of value on both sides. All right. That that makes sense. <laughs> I do want to get my emotions out of the way, but it with, with financial decisions. But your point and the reason you call your podcast financial life planning is there's a value to that too. If you're not comfortable and happy and if it's going to cause you stress maybe this kind of takes it full circle to this whole decision about should you use available cash how much does the emotional component factor in there you're saying look it's not a great financial environment right now to borrow at a high interest rate to buy a car so don't finance a car if you can if you can do it your arbitrage is better using up the cash instead of trying to invest it and make up the difference and all that how much of a factor is the emotional factor of if it matters to you to have that emergency cash, you know what, just take the financial hit? Or is this just like this is the right way to do it either way? Man, perfect question. I'm so glad I hired you as the host of this podcast and pay you nothing. You didn't. You don't own me. You rent me. <laughs> That's right. I have rented you just for this 30 minutes. Um, oh, my gosh. What a horrible <laughs> business I'm in. Rent a host. Rent a host. This is rent you a know, swag, actually, but dumber. The the, per, the the terrible part about your business model, Matt, is it's free, but you'll make it up on volume, I'm sure. I think you're the one who's paying for it ultimately, one way or the other. <laughs> one way or the other. But here's the thing is, like, it's a perfect question, Matt, because the answer is the emotions always trump. The emotions always win out. Mm. That is the way to go through living your life. I want you to be comfortable and confident in the way that you're walking through life, including financial decisions. So if you were to say to me, man, I hate having debt. I'm paying off my mortgage as fast as possible, even though it's 3%. I would like pull my hair out. That's like a crazy idea. Don't do that. Okay. But many, many, many people, many, many smart, super smart financial people, that's what they do. Pay down their mortgage as fast as possible. Debt free. The best day of their life is when they paid off their mortgage because they just feel great. So the same is true with a car. If you need... 25,000 of that emergency fund sitting in the account so that you feel comfortable, you know, week in and week out, and you don't want to use 10,000 of it, then don't. You know, what's, what I found really helpful in a previous conversation we had was when you gave the insight, don't think about your house as an investment. And that really resonated for me because it's something that even with my training in economics, I never really got. I remember during the housing crisis of 2008, it was some smart writer I don't think it was Michael Lewis, but it was some smart writer who was talking about people who were underwater with their homes, mm -hmm. meaning they were paying more than their houses were worth. And the sentence that really stuck with me was eventually it dawned on a lot of these people that they did not own their house in a meaningful, in any meaningful sense of the word. Mm -hmm. And I, it took me a long time and a lot of dredging out old economics training to understand the meaning of the sentence. I still only think I get it. I think that what it's saying is if what you're paying is more than it's worth, you're renting for this asset, but you don't have equity in it. You don't, you're not like, you're not accruing a valuable financial asset. So there's nothing that you end up owning. So I understand that as a financial analysis. But I disagree emotionally because 
I'm getting to live in the house. So even if I'm underwater, if I'm not thinking about it as an investment, if this is I am paying to live in this house because I intend to live in this house long term, then ultimately, if I just pay more, it doesn't really bother me. What really matters to me is, am I paying what this experience is worth to me and what I can afford? It doesn't really matter to me whether I'm paying more than the current market price or not. I know that's financially all wrong, but to me, emotionally, it feels all right. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm not going to go into the housing crisis and the underwater, and we could dissect that sentence and everything else, but I will agree with you that... I want the listeners to be emotionally satisfied and happy with all of your decisions. And it's, I mean, we go into marketing, the whole thing is just based on emotions. There's never any numbers involved in, in most of your spending every week. And we're talking about that, the numbers, but let's be honest. I want you to be really happy. And we're talking longer term, you know, and day to day with all decisions. So yeah, hundred percent that you gotta, you gotta bring it in. This Think is why you it. give the standard disclaimer of I'm not providing financial advice because you know, you're required to do that. You don't want to get sued. <laughs> I don't want you to get sued either, but I think you really mean it. I think you actually mean it that you're just giving here is a way to think about it from purely financial terms, but you're really leaving this in people's hands. Like the numbers say, if you're thinking about financing a car right now, it doesn't make dollars and cents, but no. it is still possible that if this is what makes you comfortable and your eyes wide open on the trade-offs, it could still be right for you. Yeah, more information so you can make an informed decision for you. Awesome. I think that's a great note to end on. All right, man, your rental Matt Robeson, the host of your podcast, Financial Life Planning, is up. You can, for an exorbitant rate, re-up for another episode next time. We'll see if that happens. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Thanks for joining us on Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to and rate the podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with me at LinkedIn or MortonFinancialAdvice.com. I'd love to get your feedback. If you have a comment or question, please email me at financialplanningpod at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered for investment advice. Opinions expressed as are of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. We do not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the data presented here.